This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle. Find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Hello, hello. I'm Brittany Luce, and you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, a show about what's going on in culture and why it doesn't happen by accident. It seems like there are a bajillion streamers these days. You've got your Netflix, you've got your Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Max, Paramount, Roku. Everyone wants in on streaming. And they're all kind of doing the same thing. Trying to find the next big Game of Thrones or Stranger Things. A premium show that will blow up and suddenly make them all rich. Today, I'm going to put yet another streamer on your radar. I know, there are already so many. But trust me, this streamer, Dropout is doing things a little differently. Rather than trying to compete with Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or anyone out there making really high-quality, premium scripted programming, we should instead try to be good at our own thing. That's Sam Reich, CEO of Dropout, which used to be college humor. And with subscribers numbering in the mid-hundreds of thousands, Dropout is small potatoes compared to the millions that the big streamers have. But they found their niche, which is unscripted comedy, One of their most popular shows is a Dungeons & Dragons show, but the platform has a lot more traditional game shows, too. There's Dirty Laundry, where a group of friends have to guess each other's dirty little secrets. Who committed libel against Reese Witherspoon? (laughs) What is libel again? Hmm, okay, it was Ryan. Come on. (laughs) Or, um, actually which is kind of like a nerdier version of Jeopardy. She's not a former detective. Uh, Siobhan, you did not say I'm actually. I'm actually, she's still a detective! Or Game Changer, which premieres its new season on February 12th. It's hosted by Sam. I'll let him explain. The game changes every episode. The players don't know the game when they start (laughs) playing. They have to figure out the game as they're playing it. Brennan, that looks like an additional point for you. Bravo. Care to elaborate on why that's an additional point for me? (laughs) You smug (laughs) But more than doing their own thing with what they make, they're also doing things differently when it comes to business. They're modeling what it might look like for streamers to put their talent first, like profit sharing with their creators and doing away with the kind of restrictive contracts that would keep their hosts from pursuing outside projects. 
I sat down with Sam to find out how they're revamping the game show format and finding their own path to success as a small streamer in a saturated market. Sam, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Brittany, thank you so much. What an honor. Your streamer, your company is Dropout. For listeners who don't know, Dropout used to be called something different. And I know you told this story so many times now, but I'm wondering if you could give us a quick recap as to how you took the reins of what was back then called College Humor. Totally. So College Humor was founded in 99. And I was like employee number 19 or 20, brought aboard in 2006 to help them quote unquote, figure out video, whatever that meant. Our <laughs> parent company, who who had bought us two weeks after I was first hired, yeah. tried in all sorts of different ways to make us really profitable and successful. And we didn't outright fail at any of that, but we didn't achieve skyrocketing success with any of it either. Mm-hmm. And the last go at this, you know, their last big push with us was subscription, was why don't you go try to form a little boutique Netflix of your own? Hmm. Um, and so we did. And again, it wasn't a failure, but it wasn't earth-shattering success. And they got really bored of us really fast and tried really aggressively to sell us. And it, and it was only that they tried so aggressively to sell us, <laughs> which is not a wise thing to do. If you have something you want to sell, the worst thing you can say to a potential buyer is, I need this gone now. They're like, oh my what's wrong with it? Uh, which allowed for me to step in because there were so few other offers. I made IAC a, a, a kind of a creative offer, which involved very little cash. And by mm-hmm. very little, I mean zero. Like um, no money. Like no no money. Yeah, they gave me the company for the low price of free. Um <laughs> It's just ex- so unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Well, in exchange for keeping some of it. So they so they, ca- they maintain some ownership, but they just said, look, like, just take this off our hands, essentially. Essentially, yeah. And uh, it's going so well that we all look great. Dropout has a lot of game shows. Game shows don't hold quite the same place culturally now as they used to maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago or or more. But they are extremely popular on Dropout and they have earned you this dedicated viewership. I'll say now game shows on linear TV – they tend to have an audience that's majority 65 plus. And I feel like <laughs> I like the grander sense that can be like kind of their cultural connotation. But sure. the game shows on your platform feel a lot younger and a lot fresher. I assume that your subscriber base is not majority 65 plus. <laughs> I don't get that vibe from the shows at all. They are not. I Listen, they're out there. Those dropout fans are out there. I'd love to hear from more of them. <laughs> But no, I mean, our fandom is mostly, you know, in its 20s and 30s. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, how did you think about reconfiguring the game show format for a different or younger generations? You say game show. I think that's absolutely true. It's a fair moniker. I think we tend to think of it mostly just as unscripted comedy. Hmm. My show, which is way more traditionally a game show, Game Changer, also is a game show. But I've done many episodes of that show that make it very clear that the point of this thing is not to win. But you asked the question, how did we think about reinventing the game show? And the truth is that we we stumbled into unscripted comedy 
as what our audience was interested in. When we when we started this, mm-hmm. we did scripted and unscripted. The audience just naturally gravitated far more to unscripted than to scripted, and so we've we've doubled and tripled down in that category. But it, it really was a process of discovery. I keep thinking about what you said about how like you don't always think of those as game shows. I don't know it's interesting like. So many game shows that I think about that are, whether they're on streaming or especially on network TV, they have these big pots of money as a prize. Or even thinking about something like Price is Right. Like, I didn't get it when I was a kid, but like these people are winning like a trip to Aruba, a new washer dryer, cars. I mean, this is big ticket items. This is big stuff. But your game shows, they have fairly low stakes, like getting a cocktail (laughs) set or something. But I don't know. It it makes me think like, I don't know. How do those stakes, like those more low-key stakes, how does this change our experience of watching these kinds of game or game-centered shows? This is a great question. I think that using like Squid Games, as an example, I mean, the real life version, the one that Netflix came out recently, where they're actually competing for money, or even Mr. Beast videos on YouTube. It's a great example of how when you're tossed into something cold, those high financial stakes are a way to grab you Hmm. and a way to make you connect to talent if you don't already have a connection to them. But of course, we're not going for drama with Dropout. We're going for comedy. And you still want to win board game night with your friends, even though the stakes <laughs> are relatively low. Those are the kind of stakes we're, we're going for on Dropout, where it's like all in the spirit of good fun, right? So we don't actually want for people to be like disappointed if they lose. We We ran into this just a little bit with a survivor-themed miniseries we did last season of Game Changer where the gameplay actually was so intense. Players, I can't help but notice a lot of very nervous-looking faces. What's the feeling? Jake, I will start with you. Am I surrounded by rats or am I surrounded by angels? (laughs) We're going to find out, baby. It was like creeping toward that sort of area of, oh, this might actually be too intense for us. Maybe there's a reason why they give people pots of money for all this suffering. (laughs) Like it might be a little too much for what y'all are trying to do. For sure. And also like once you leave that desert island, none of you people ever need to hang out ever again. Whereas like we have to face each other next day and next week and, you know, a month later. So all in the spirit of good fun is probably what I would would underline. And, And I think that that's contagious where... Uh, It's as simple as you watch a group of people having fun and you can have vicarious fun. So interesting. I mean, it makes me think about the UK still has some sorts of like panel shows, which are a little bit more like low stakes, playing a game for the sake of just having a good time. So many American game shows are like, you know, we're running cockfights to see who's going to win $100,000 for their (laughs) medical bills. Yeah. Sorry to go here, but if we had like, you know, a thriving middle class, then everybody competing for $100,000 doesn't feel quite as panicked. But Mm. when you have people who are like suffering from medical debt, that's a whole different context to be trying to get $100,000. And thinking about some of the content that I grew up with, whether we're talking about game shows or sitcoms or, or movies or whatever, a lot more of it fell under the heading of life-affirming than our content these days. 
Mm-hmm. And what I mean by life affirming and value affirming, those are two terms I throw around a lot, is does this make me feel good about my fellow man? Like, does it make me feel good about being alive? Does it make me feel like it instills in me a positive value set versus a negative value set? And so much like high octane game show content falls into the negative in all those categories. That's really interesting. And and that's not what you are trying to do with Dropout, obviously. We are making a study of what feel-good content means. Our platform is about content that makes you feel good Hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. If the point of your game shows isn't winning, if it's to have, you know, a good time, or like you said, you're running this sort of experiment in feel-good programming, how do you know when you've made a successful show? I'm not just talking about like money or, you know, viewership. I mean, like part of, I, I know you know this, part of making any show is figuring out how to make it work. When our cast has a really good time, that translates. So arguably, we're in the business of making them feel good. And if we have, the audience will probably follow. Game Changer is like a funny example in this case, I think, because feel good is probably uh, not quite right. Like, I make people (laughs) feel all sorts of things on Game Changer. If I open that door. Yes. And we discover that there's more puzzle on the other side. Yeah. You're taking a flight down the stairs. (laughs) You understand? Straight up. Straight down. I don't know why you're angry with me. Jacob Waisaki at the end of episode three of this season says, thanks, Sam. It's been a real nightmare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a type of fun. You know what I mean? It's kind of like an antagonistic type of fun they're having on the show. Good, quote unquote good, can mean a lot of things. But for me, what it means is, uh, is it funny? Is it tight? Does it feel like we get from one laugh to the other really quick? Is it surprising? Every once in a while, whether I'm on set or I'm at home and I'm watching a cut, I get what I call are the quality chills. So I just get like a little, a little bit of goosebumps when I'm working on something that tells me, oh, we really have something special with this one. Ooh, quality chills. I'm going to take that. I like that. I like that a lot. So one of the shows you host Game Changer is about to premiere its sixth season. I mean, not to get you to spill all your company secrets, but is there anything that you could tease to us, like a little example of what's to come? Totally. We did a third installment of a game that I've played in previous seasons called Sam Says this season, which is like a sort of my take on Simon Says. Mm -hmm. And uh, one example, as I said, uh, Sam says, don't look now, but here's a pig in a little hat. And I brought out a hundred pound boar named Henry, who was fantastic, <laughs> the happiest pig I've ever met, in a little cowboy hat. And they weren't allowed to look at him. Or oh, that's unfair. I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm a bad person. In that same episode, it ends with uh, me having rented a party bus for our three players and filled it with their friends. And so they actually <laughs> go off in the party bus at the end of the episode. That's actually a really good prize. It's a really good prize. The, what they don't realize, though, is that we're still recording them and the rules are still in effect, <laughs> which makes them really upset when they come back. <laughs> Another example is... We did a game. This is this is going to sound a little going to be a little abstract. We did a game where the people on stage thought they were the ones playing the game, but actually 
there were people upstairs in the green room watching the players downstairs playing the game, and they were the ones playing the game. What? So the people on stage thought they were competing, but weren't actually the ones competing. Because like game show formats have to be so rigid in a certain respect in order for them to like exist as a generally understood format that also allows for so much more room to play. It's like, because you have this structure, you can kind of fill the container with whatever you want. Whatever you want. I feel like it's such a fun comedy challenge. So we need to talk business now because how the sausage gets made for y'all is very interesting and it seems to be working. You recently just did your first round of profit sharing with people who made any kind of money with Dropout in 2023. And it's wonderful that like, you know, you did this round of profit sharing with everybody, but the profitability aspect is also something to touch on because only a couple of the bigger streamers are even turning a profit. I mean, and to stay on the topic of money, most streamers have this nasty little habit of jacking up their prices. I mean, I would love to say even mm-hmm. they jack up their prices every year, but sometimes it just feels like, I don't know, is the, has the wind changed? Didn't you do this like seven months ago? Yeah. You look like you've been doing things completely differently in that aspect. Like as an incentive to keep people from unsubscribing and resubscribing, you lock them in at the same price they signed up for. You know, as long as they stay subscribed, they can lock in that price, which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I referred to it when I was talking to my producer, yeah. Liam, before this conversation as like, Rent control. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Which is also a hot commodity. That's great. Yeah, rent-controlled subscription. Yeah, I mean, it's very different than what everybody else is doing. Like, are there other business deviations that you have considered or others that you're doing that you don't really talk about as much? I mean, I think we're a very non-traditional company in a lot of ways. And some of those ways have been what has allowed us to for instance, tip profitable. We are a very small full-time team for the size of company we are. When we started, we didn't you know, have the resources to hire a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now we're deliberately keeping it small because we want to spend as much time as we can creating content, putting as much money as possible on screen. We're 20 people now. We were only 15 last year. We'll probably be 25 by the end of this year. Our development process is super non-traditional. Almost all of our shows to date have been conceived of by a very, very small group of in-house people. Traditionally, how this works is in the rest of Hollywood, talent will come to you and pitch you a show. Right. I was going to say independent creator is going to come and be like, hey, make my thing. Exactly. We conceived of Dirty Laundry partially because we were like, we want to create the perfect vehicle for Lily Do, who is now the host of that show. Mm-hmm. We know that this is going to be successful on our platform because it checks, you know, these five boxes, which we consider to be our criteria of a popular uh, piece of content on our platform. What are the five boxes? <laughs> I knew the moment I lobbed that up, I was like, there's no way we're we're getting past that. No, uh- <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope, nope. <laughs> totally fair. Right now. Number one, does it sit at the intersection of scripted and unscripted? Mm -hmm. A lot of writing goes into those shows. So to call them unscripted is only to say that they aren't traditional scripted programming. But in reality, they sit more at the intersection of scripted and unscripted. Hmm. Do we think it will do well on social media? Social media is right now how we're marketing all of our shows. 
we spend very, very, very little as compared to our competitors. Can it feature a murder's row of our own talent? Is there an opportunity for everyone's favorite familiar faces to come through this show? Is it affordable enough that if it is successful, we can do a lot of it? And number five is, is the show in some way worth nerding out about? If you're a fan of the show, can you go deep on this show in some hmm. way? So right now, that's how we how we think about our programming. That's such good criteria. That's juicy. <laughs> that's juicy. And it's interesting that you bring up social media as one of your tenets because you said before that Dropout spends very little money on paid advertising. Yeah. But you're basically thinking about social media marketing, like even in the greenlighting process. Totally, totally. But you know, the fact that we can do this means other people can do this. And I don't see a whole lot of people doing it. I don't see a whole lot of networks taking real advantage of social media to market their shows. I watch a lot of TV. A lot of that stuff would do great on social. Traditional media has not decided that new media is its friend in a way that has been really problematic for traditional media. I remember, I will not say who, but I sat in the room with the head of a very big network, TV network. This was back in my TV pitching days, who said, YouTube is the enemy. And I remember in that moment going, oh boy, like if YouTube is the enemy, you are not going to win that war. Mm -mm. I have to admit, it actually took me until yesterday to understand... <laughs> the name dropout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was a play on culture. Literally knew the connection between these two companies. But yeah. I was literally like, drop out. I it did yes. I don't know why. I would maybe maybe yeah. the last person to figure that out. But but that new name, it actually means something more to you than just, you know, a, a play on the idea of college humor. It does. I like it for a few reasons. You know, I think it connects to our story as a company, you know, dropping out of corporate America. But it also connects to me personally uh, because I dropped out of high school. Now, my version of that was meaningfully more privileged than most coming from the family that I come from. Sure. But uh, the sort of notion of dropping out or doing things a little differently than everyone else is something that I. I take really personally. I love the idea of the dirt road. I love the idea of like not being backed up in traffic on the highway, but instead finding the sort of roundabout path that allows for you to skirt around gatekeepers. Someone a lot wiser than me once said about what the industry is right now or what the, this industry looks like right now mm-hmm. said that the normal or the traditional path is no longer the traditional path. It mm. is really, really, really hard to do what we want to do for a living. I don't really believe you can get there via traditional means unless you win the lottery. Wanting better odds means coming up with really creative solutions for getting there. I think that the more folks who can do the kind of thing we're doing, and by the kind of thing we're doing, I mean finding ways to go direct to their audience, Mm. you know, without a whole lot of industry giving them permission, find ways to do it at cost so that it's not outrageously expensive and it's affordable. Find ways to do it that are uh, really pro-talent and pro-human that like really support and appreciate and celebrate the people who are making the stuff. I think we are going to have our own really happy corner of this world to play in. I have one last teeny tiny little question for the fans. Can you give us any hints about what we can expect from your new shows, Smarty Pants? 
or Thousand Ears, which Thousand Ears, <laughs> what a beautiful name. Can you give us keywords, anything? Oh, wow. Sure. Let's do this. Smarty Pants, think intellectual society. Thousand Ears, think show and tell. Okay. 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 All right. All right. I mean, I guess we'll find out what that means. In the meantime, before those come out, Sam, we have a little game for you. Would you like to play? Oh, I can't wait. I would love to, Brittany. You know I love games. Coming up, Sam and I play a twist on Would You Rather. Stay with us. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. You are the game master, and so we've come up with a little game for you. The game is called... I want to play a game. Like how how Jigsaw says in Saw. I don't know if you've seen the Saw. Oh movie. yeah, for sure. I yeah. love them. Terrifying. I love them. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, what I'm going to do is give you a series of would you rather's that amount to different levels of torture, just like Jigsaw mm, does great. to his victims in the films, featuring games and competitions of all kinds. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Okay. All right. First one. Would you rather go on? The floor is lava, but the floor is actually lava. Or shark tank, where you actually have to go in a shark tank. Let me add that there's a cage. You're in a cage in the shark tank, but there's a lot of space between the bars of the cage. I love both these shows, and you've ruined both of them. Um, (laughs) But I will say, at least with the sharks, I stand a chance. I mean the real sharks, not the business sharks. Yeah, I am so for sure slipping into that lava that you just might as well dunk me right in. Um, <laughs> not to not to mention, I think as a showbiz type and entrepreneur, I might be able to come up with something that the sharks are excited to hear about. I think so. I think you could definitely charm them, and I think you could sell them on an idea so quickly that you could yes. get in and out of that Shark Tank fast. Whereas I agree, I think lava is kind of like I think that's that one's just a game ender. Yes. Okay, I got another one for you. Would okay, you wait. rather play Sorry, where there's a component where you have to apologize to people that you've wronged, or Risk, 
where you have to go to parties of people who might not like you. I'm picking sorry. The truth is, I would want to know who I've wronged and have the opportunity to apologize to them because I'm that tender-souled person. (laughs) Whereas, like, being at a party where I don't know who it is that doesn't like me, that's the true nightmare. Like, please, by all means, confront me. A bunch of people talking behind my back. Oh, my God. The absolute worst. I actually chose risk. I already have anxiety. So I feel like every time I go to a party, even if I'm invited, I'm like, I don't know. This is already your experience at parties. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, "Mm, maybe it was a mistake. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, I'm living risk. I'm living risk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Last one. Would you rather play Minecraft, a crafting competition Mm. in a mine? Or Guitar Hero, where you have to play guitar to win challenges and eventually save the city of New York. I am going to go with Guitar Hero. The idea of like saving New York City with rock and roll is just a little bit too like epic of uh, <laughs> like opportunity to turn down. That's Ghostbusters so meets School of Rock. Hell yeah. That's- so courageous. I was like, you know what? I think, let me sit down in this mine. My nails are too long to play the guitar. I don't know yeah. how. And also the other thing is like, I love New Yorkers. I yeah. just don't want to be the person who fails at saving the city. And then, and then every time I get on the train, you know what yes. I'm saying? You have to, you have to be that person. Yeah. yeah. Are you're, you already, kidding me? you're already, you're already worried people dislike you at parties. It's like that. Exactly. I'm like, I don't need the entire city of New York on my back. Because I didn't save them. I can't deal with yeah. that kind of pressure. I can't deal with That's that kind totally of pressure. Bad. Failure, honestly, in that instance, failure didn't even enter my head. I'm not sure why. It absolutely should have. <laughs> That's good. That's healthy, probably. That's very healthy. Uh, well, Sam, hopefully these would you rathers made you feel as uncomfortable and upset as Jigsaw intended. A taste of my own medicine. <laughs> How dare you, Brittany? <laughs> but I'm so glad that you joined us. This was so much fun. So much fun. Just really happy to have done it. Thanks again to Sam Reich. The premiere of the new season of his show, Game Changer, is out on February 12th. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Liam McBain. This episode was edited by Jessica Placzek. Engineering support came from Phil Edfors. Our executive producer is Verilyn Williams. Our VP of Programming is Yolanda Sanguini. All right, that's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.